Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. everybody it is time for the in off the bench podcast i am daniel ball and i'm joined as always by my co-host my partner in crime my brother from another mother jim cross randy's got the night off he's under the weather but that's not gonna stop us from doing what we do best and that's talking college baseball because tonight we got episode eight titled make them feel you because we got wake forest demon deacon star brock wilkin join us and he's gonna tell us about that mantra of making them feel you as well as an update on the, the Wake Forest season, where we're at right now, what the expectations are for this upcoming season, which could be magical. And it could be magical on our end because we got money on the line. We got money back in the Wake Forest team. And hopefully we'll get a chance to tell you why. But, Jim, I want to get right to it. So help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview on podcasting this week, our man, Wake Forest baseball star, Brock Wilkin. Brock, my man, welcome to the show. How you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh this is exciting, man. We've been venturing out of the SEC, which we haven't really done too much, but to have Wake Forest from the ACC, especially with you know the projections on your team, I, I told you when I messaged you, like I, I I've we've invested money, me and Daniel. We got man, they put y'all at plus four thousand. It's it's the best bet in sports right now and so i was like we we gotta have a stud from wake force on have him tell his story but we gotta talk wake, For sure. wake force baseball so Let's do it. before we get into all of that you know you're an east coast guy obviously originally from florida but you know all these boys in the south have a lot of different answers so i'll be curious now that we're venturing out on these first couple icebreakers we have before we get into you telling your complete story. And so the first one is, man, who's your favorite musician or band? Favorite musician or band? Uh, it's probably a hot take, but my favorite, like, hip-hop artist is uh, Rod Wave. Mm-hmm. I just like his lyrics. He's got some good lyrics. My favorite country artist is uh, Zach Bryan, for sure. Is the Rod Wave, is that the Hotel Lobby song? Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't think about if it. If it is Daniel, that's the that's, that's the intro. Lock it up, like making it happen. <laughs> let me but, let me tell you, let me tell you about Rod Wave now. Rod Wave is is just I would say recently over the past year been a few people's favorites, and I've yet to find a song that isn't 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 banging, but also isn't like there's not like a clean version of it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's so, hard. 
But I, I'll do my best, man. I, I definitely will do my best to see what we're, I can find we're out. We're just there glad because I mean, we get we've been getting a lot of Morgan Wallen, Luke Combs lately, and you know, Daniel when he does his intros with the music, man, it just it doesn't flow as well with that slow country stuff. So is it, we'll take it. Um, so for you, man, non sports movie, what's your favorite movie? Non sports movie, ooh, um, one of the first two Fast and Furious. Those are probably my favorite movies of all time, actually solid i actually went and saw the first one in theater when i was 16 um with a bunch of friends uh daniel you weren't there but it was all the guys from the football team floyd john we lined up at the first red light we did none of us had a fast car didn't matter <laughs> peeled out lucky we didn't all go to jail but i feel you i'm i love that pick oh um, yeah but then i gotta go favorite baseball movie what is it for a love of the game uh, i mean just i love obviously adore everything about baseball and that movie just kind of encompasses it all. And I mean, who better to play than Kevin Costner, right? The GOAT. Absolutely. Clear the mechanism. I love it. All right. So favorite athlete growing up, who was it? Favorite athlete growing up? Um, Growing up, it was probably Bryce Harper. You know, I saw him land on my doorstep from Sports Illustrated when I was like seven, eight years old. I'm like, that guy, you know, I want to be like that guy. So him for sure growing up and, you know, as you get older, you kind of start to like different dudes and stuff like that. But Bryce Harper, for sure. If you still want to, you know, follow and emulate him, by all means, it's going to lead to a lot of money, Brock. <laughs> what, so with that, uh, who was who was your favorite team? What was it? You know, the Phillies because he's on there. Or was it somebody else? Um, no, I was. I just loved. Like I watched him, and then he started playing for the Nationals, and that's kind of been my team ever since. Um, and then I started watching Rendon and then Soto and then, you know, all those guys come through Turner, um, Jason Worth, you know, throwing it back to a long time ago. Um, you know, those are kind of my guys I grew up watching. And those, that was just like, I think one of the greatest teams ever. And they never really put it together, but that's, that's been my, my team since. You want to, you want to talk about hair flow? Jason Worth. Jason Worth. <laughs> some long locks man that dude yeah. that dude had a had a flow for sure but uh yeah i definitely that team that team is uh i respect it so last one i got and then i'll let daniel get into your story man obviously the super bowl is coming up you may not even be a football fan but even but even if you are or aren't who you got winning man the chiefs or the eagles yeah i mean i'm not a big football guy at all um i mean i i like to see the Eagles win, but I mean, you know, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I'm just, I'm just here for the entertainment. Whatever, whatever happens, happens. You know, is the baseball team throwing a, a throwing a Super Bowl party? What's up? Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, that'd be great. We all go to our baseball house, have a good time, just the boys. You know, be a good time. So we'll see. Brock, Brock said he's here for the food. That's it. Yeah. For the whoever, whoever, whoever wins is, is is arbitrary. He's just there for the food, man. Exactly. All right, Brock, man, let's let's jump into your story, dude. Obviously, the, the best way, way that we start off is from the beginning. So take us back, man. Where are you from? So it's kind of a long story. You know, I uh, was actually born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, me and my dad were born there. That's where my parents met. Um, and we moved to moved to just outside Tampa um for a couple years that's where my middle brother was born Braden um and then we actually moved to Charlotte North Carolina um for about 10 years that's kind of what I call home it's where I grew up from the time I was 
four to 14. Um, you know, you have basically your starting memories to, you know, start of high school. Um, and that's when my youngest brother was born, Braxton. Um, and then once I was 14, you know, it's kind of a whole family decision. There was just a bunch of better opportunities to go back to Florida, um, not only for myself, but for my younger brothers in sports um, and my parents with jobs, opportunities and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I started playing baseball um, ever since I can remember. You know, I think I was four or five years old. Um, I'm at a golf course with my dad and they said I started swinging at like a baseball bat and they were like, oh, let's put him into baseball, you know, see what happens. And I just, you know, I ate it up and I've never looked back. Um, it, it seems like it's in the family because wasn't your uncle a pro, a pro baseball player? Yes, sir. Uh, he was. And my dad played baseball in high school, but, you know, he wanted to do other things. Um, and he was actually professional MMA was what he did. Um, so he loved that stuff. Um, that's what he did. Um, I'm not big into it, but my middle brother is my middle brother. He is actually a state champion wrestler down in Florida. I mean, he's just a man. Um, so, you know, it's just a beast. Um, but yeah, kind of baseball just runs in our family. My youngest brother plays, um, my little cousins played. So, you know, it's just kind of something that is a walking trait, you know, almost. So I got a question for you, Brock on the dad thing, you know, there always becomes a point in time where the son can finally take the dad, but your dad's a professional fighter. So like, are you still losing that battle? Yeah, man, it's going to eat me up saying this, but yeah, I'll get him sometimes, but he'll get me other times. I mean, my dad's a pretty big dude. My dad's six one, two thirty, And I mean, he's out deadlifting me and I'm just like, you know, he's only 42 and I'm just like, you know, I just got to tip my cap sometimes. I'm like, you got it, dude. You know, I'm done with it. You, you just, you, you just got to take a step back and, and, you know, and, and real recognize real, man. I mean, you, you, yeah, you know, we, it's something we always do. Like I'll get home and within probably the first five hours of being home, one of us is fighting each other and it's just awesome. <laughs> you know, it's a, we're always just going at it, wrestling, doing whatever we're doing. That's a, uh, that's a veteran, that's a veteran dad move. It's, uh, you know, when your kids don't see you for a while, you got to establish dominance really quickly <laughs> so that they, they remember who the boss is and they fall in line real quick, man. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm bigger than him in every single aspect and you know, somehow he still wins. It's, it's so annoying. I mean, Hey, Hey, if, if your only loss is to a professional fighter, that's also your dad. I mean, I, I think that's okay. The, yeah, it's all right, I guess. The question is, do you pat do you pass down the the whoop into the little brother? That's that's the question. So, my my youngest brother, he's thirteen. You know, that's my boy, and I, I absolutely beat the crap out of him all the time. You know, got got to establish dominance, right? Got to establish dominance. Got to let him know who's the older brother. Um, but the middle one gives me a run for my money sometimes. I mean, he's a state champ wrestler, so it's kind of tough, but. I still win. I'll, I'll still beat him up any day of the week. He can say whatever he wants. I uh I was listening to an interview. Uh, Perfect Game was doing it, and they were talking about you know pro prospects, and they they had you on there. They also had uh, Dylan Cruz on there, but you know they they were talking to you about family and man, just listening to you talk about your brothers, like there's a closeness there that I don't think everybody really understands, but you could hear it and you could see it in your, in your voice and your facial expression. So, um, what, what is the plan? You know, obviously you're, you're gonna just be, be an example, but also like, 
what's the plan for the other brothers? Are they to follow in your footsteps? Are they elite athletes? Are they going to, you know, play college? Are they going to go to Wake Forest? Like, like what's, what's their story? What's going on with them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. Um, you know, my brothers probably mean more to me than, than anybody or anything in this entire world. Um, it's just, I don't know, you know, I've always been preached, you know, brought up as family is number one thing. Family is number one thing. And that's just kind of who I am. You know, I, I love my family. I love being at home. I love spending every waking moment with my brothers doing whatever it is, um, you know, whether it's um, playing MLB The Show or whether it's playing pool basketball, wrestling, whatever it may be. You know, I always want to be around, um, you know, my brothers and my family. Um, and it's kind of cool because we all have the same initials, BW. Um, and one of my best friends, he's a tattoo artist. And I was like, you know what? why don't we do this thing where we get our initials tattooed and I got the Roman numerals one of three. And then, so the younger two will get two of three and three of three with our initials. So it's kind of, you know, like our staple, that's kind of just how close we are, that brother tattoo. Um, and it means a lot to us. Um, obviously 13 year old can't get it yet, but he'll get it pretty soon. <laughs> well, da da Daniel, uh, I, we <laughs> look, and, and here, here's the thing. I've seen some kids, and I say kids because they were kids getting tattoos way too young. They all turned out terrible, Brock. So whatever <laughs> you do, just make sure that your brother is of age and you take them somewhere that's reputable. Not oh, just, yeah, sure. just Johnny, Johnny, you know, whoever, apple seed in, in the back of the garage out there. Yeah. Like, D Daniel, hey, we no listener in the seven seasons we had, we've never talked about my tattoo. We might as well just tell him, man. My cross was crooked as all get out. My last name is Cross Brock. Anyway, 14 years old, got it done in a garage in a shady neighborhood with his actual best friend who got a lion that's cross-eyed. Anyway, we felt so cool when we came back to school. And then, you know, people started looking at it like, that thing's crooked. And that's actually not straight. Yeah. Nope. So I went from like cool with a tattoo to establishing a nickname called Crooked Cross. So bad it went completely backwards, Brock. Yeah, it it was so they, they were bad. I mean, it was so bad that he Jim doesn't even have a cross anymore. He's just covered it completely up. You can't even <laughs> tell. It's just something totally different. <laughs> that's wild. That's wild. So but, yeah, man, yeah. it's it's crazy. So just make sure, you know, a bit of bit of advice. Make sure you go to somebody reputable. I mean, I, I don't think the tattoo can be that difficult. No. Um, the way you're explaining it, but just just make sure you get get a professional. Man. You yeah, know what? yeah, yeah. It's all awesome. no. It, you don't want no Mickey Mouse tattoo. You don't want no amateur hour. And never like get, get never. it done the right way. Always. Um, but Brock, man, you you talk about uh, starting baseball at a young age. Was baseball the only sport you played, or did you play multiple sports? Um, so growing up, I was always infatuated with baseball. You know, I kind of really never wanted to do anything else. Um, but you know, I did do, um, jujitsu and I wrestled in middle school. Um, that was really just to, you know, keep me athletic and keep me moving and stuff. You know, it wasn't really cause I loved it. Like my dad or my brother does. Um, it's kind of just something I did to, you know, stay mobile, do something else that's fun that I also enjoy, but I don't necessarily love to get me ready for the season. Um, that was about it. Once I got to high school, I was just strictly, strictly baseball. It there's something about, and, and I'm going to call it combat. I don't know what other word to call it, but like combat, man-to-man -man combat with another person that 
prepares you for anything. Right? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure at this point, there's never a time that you step across the lines and you're like, oh, like I'm nervous about how good this person may or may not be because like that, like when you wrestle or you do jujitsu or do any kind of combat sport, like that mentality is really like the basis of doing it is to realize like what you can do and like nobody can beat you. Oh, exactly. I, I think, you know, I think wrestling and, and baseball, I think are the two greatest sports, honestly, in my opinion, because they teach you a lot about routines and discipline. You know, you have to be all about your routines, all about discipline, or, you know, you're ultimately not going to be as successful as you want to be. Um, and, you know, having that mental toughness in, in both aspects of the game, I think is, you know, kind of what helped me and propel me um, to the path that I am on right now. So let's let's fast forward, you know, a little bit from that point to high school. Obviously, you're you, you talk about moving from uh, New Mexico to Florida to North Carolina, back to Florida, and you inevitably you're going to Bloomingdale High School, which is you know right outside of Tampa, Valrico ish area. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, tell me a little bit about you know the high school. Um, Big school, little school, just so that people kind of get familiar with with what kind of caliber athletes you're going up against and really um, what you're seeing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, when I moved to Florida, you know, I really, really didn't know anybody. Um, And so it was a a complete change for me. Um, And a couple of guys took me under their wing. And, you know, I was, I was actually in one of their weddings. They were seniors when I was freshman. And, you know, they were just awesome. Um, But, you know, it's it's a school where you go there and you know you're really good at sports you know I think our soccer team has you know five or six state championships women's soccer same thing um football they had my senior year they had I don't know seven guys go division one um you know for baseball we had 10 dudes that were committed on one team and there's probably about 3,000 kids that go to our high school um so you know it's a it's a big school it's an even bigger county um, with high-level athletes. Um, I think my freshman year, I played – guy went to Florida State, the 13th overall pick. Um, you, guy you, ever, you ever heard of a guy named Pete Alonzo? <laughs> Pete Alonzo is actually he, he, he one of my best friends. Yeah, he, he went to school down in Tampa. So yeah, He went to plant. I know, Daniel, I know what would very well. What would be wild is, is what Brock doesn't know is that you were a principal in school uh, – in Tampa, what would be wild is if like Brock had went to your school and this just came around full circle. That that would be wild, but I I don't think based on what high school he went to, he wouldn't have been at any of my schools. But it would have been wild for sure. Would have been. You know, obviously, you you talk about the depth of talent in the Tampa area. I mean, I spent some time coaching at the University of Tampa when I first moved to Tampa, and okay. like the just the level of talent at the D- division two level is, is stacked. So like just, and, and that's all local kids coming in and, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, what, what separates, you know, the, the good from the great and the, the bad from the good or the average. And, and I would consider you one of the great players um, is the coaching and your uncle happened to be your high school coach. Um, was that something that you would say made 
it harder for you as a player or made you better as a player? Obviously, it, it probably a little bit of both, but which one was it? Was it more pressure and it harder or you enjoyed it because you knew it made you that much better? You know, I, I don't think there's a right answer to that because I think it's both. You know, I think it's the exact same amount of both. Um, so, you know, especially coming in freshman year, um, you know, I knew I – was one of the better players um, coming in, especially as a freshman. And um, I knew that I had a shot to play on varsity. You know, I obviously had to go win a spot, but my uncle never made it easy. You know, he would just pick out the littlest things. And, you know, a couple of my buddies pick on it now. And they're like, dude, you would get so mad at him for the littlest things. And he's like, well, I had to, you know, it, I mean, and it, it kind of worked. And it was just those little things that also made me better. You know, those little things where it was super hard that made me better. And I mean, my uncle is, is my guy. I go to him for anything and everything. I mean, you name it, we know stuff about each other that not a lot of people know. Um, and we just have a super special bond that I was, I'm still so grateful that I could have had the opportunity to play for him and just to be alongside of him through, you know, each and every one of my milestones, but also his milestones as a coach and as an uncle as well. And, you know, it was just, really cool special bond that you know not a lot of people get to have yeah i mean obviously anytime you get to celebrate that with your family is great but when you get to share it with your family that's even better too yeah. um so let's let's talk about some of these accolades man um perfect game rated you as the number 82 recruit in the country um, mm -hmm. You're included number 18 in the in Florida, number nine as a third baseman nationally. You were ranked by Baseball America as the you know 354th prospect in the 2020 MLB draft. You were a four-year starter, a three-time All-Conference honoree. You earned first-team All-State honors uh, as a junior. You batted 470, 12 homers, 26 RBIs in just 25 games, man. You hit four homers in just eight games as a senior before uh, the whole COVID, you know, comes through and shuts things down. So, first of all, like, that's back-to-back -back guests that we've had that have had their senior season just completely wiped away um, from COVID. Just, like, like explain to us because it changed, like, it, like, it is different and it's a different level, like, a, a different level of different with every, you know, every guest that we talk to that this happens to, but how deflating was it, you know, to have COVID take away that, that senior season, knowing just how great of a junior year you had? Yeah. I mean, it was tough, man. Um, it was tough. You know, it was, it was one of the, the things where, you know, I kind of just remember every single detail about the day that, you know, we, we got told we were shut down. Um, it was tough. You know, we just played against Plant High School, Pete Alonzo's alumni. Um, and, you know, we beat them and they're a really good team, really good program. And to beat them and then the next day, you know, get shut down with COVID, we're like, dang, you know, we had a really good team. We had a really good shot um, to make a run at the playoffs and make a run at the state playoffs as well. Uh, so to get that shut down, you know, it sucked. And it was one of those things where it kind of made me learn to never take anything for granted because, you know, this is how fast it can be taken away from you just like that. And you have no control or no say over any of it. 
Um, and that's kind of the biggest, the biggest thing I learned from the whole COVID thing, and especially being senior year, you know, it sucked even more because, you know, you're playing with your guys one last time going out like that. Just, it, it was a bummer for sure. I'll tell you what, Daniel, as, as many guys as we talked to, whether it was their senior season in high school or a certain season in college, um, you know, he's one of the first ones that's talked about, you know, never taking anything for granted. And and that's one of the special things that, that makes me just think even higher of you, Brock, because that's the truth of the matter. For sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. E even now, man, I mean, it's you got to take every practice that you get every every time, like every time you wake up and go to class, like you you realize how fortunate you are because shit just three years ago that wasn't happening like exactly. people weren't getting up and going to class they were waking up in their pjs and flipping on the computer and having to do it that way yeah. um but I, I haven't asked anybody this but i'll ask you um do you appreciate now being able to wake up and actually go to a class a hundred percent yeah i i'm the type of guy that i like to learn like face to face with people like Zoom was so annoying because like you just zone out and there's a million other things that you could be doing rather than, you know, being on a classroom Zoom call that you don't even want to be in in the first place. Right. right. Class is already boring as hell anyways. And, you know, you don't want to go to class anyways. And just having it you, the luxury of rolling over, turning off your camera and going back to sleep. Like, you know, there's just so many opportunities to do something else. So I really did enjoy going back to class, you know, meeting new people. Um, especially being a freshman, you know, transitioning to college is hard enough and having to do that with COVID and masks all the time and all these restrictions. I mean, it was tough. It was tough for sure. So, you know, your junior year, you know, prior to all, all this, uh, your junior year, you know, you were phenomenal. I mean, th there's no doubt about it. You read those stats and you're like, man, that's, that's like the epitome of what excellence is. Um, but talk to us a little bit about that team. How good was that team? And, and what was, what would you say was your favorite moment of your high school, the, the junior season? Yeah. I mean, that team was, that team was special. Um, I think guys one through eight were committed. <clears throat> um, and, you know, that kind of just says something about the team that we had um, that junior year. And it was, it was way different because um, I was I actually caught that year. Um, I, came down to Florida as a primary catcher. Um, and my uncle was like, you know, if you want to play for me and play here on varsity, you're going to have to learn a different position. So that's when I started playing third, you know, started figuring out, I was like, okay, you know, I'm pretty good at this. Let's keep this going, see where this goes. And junior year, um, you know, we didn't have a catcher. Um, the two years prior, we had two mid-major division one guys um, for catchers. And so, you know, um, I stuck at third and they were like, you know, we will, if you, we want to be good, you're going to have to go behind the dish. And I was like, all right, let's go. Um, so, you know, I went back to work that whole fall, just grinded, 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 catching. I probably, you know, didn't hit. It's weird that I say that, but I probably didn't hit as much as you think I would have, you know, with, with some of those numbers, I just worried about catching, catching, catching. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it was way easier on myself because, you know, I, I have a bad game at the plate. I still got to worry about, all right, let's get my pitchers into this game. And, you know, it's finding another way to help my team win that, you know, wasn't necessarily with the bat. 
um, which I think was was a great opportunity for myself, a great opportunity to learn to lead other people on a pitching staff. Um, and it was great because I got to call my own game and, you know, I was, had the luxury of um, doing that. And, you know, the pitching staff trusted me and um, it was great doing that. And, you know, those guys really came together and we came together that year after coming off a district championship sophomore year. And, you know, we're like, all right, we got a shot to, to go pretty far. And we kind of took it and ran with it. And that was probably the best high school team I've ever played on. I mean, I'm always amazed by anybody, Jim, that can just transition into being a catcher. Well, well you heard me laugh because we heard that ver- that statement verbatim, verbatim. from Ev- Evan Russell for Tennessee when he became oh. catcher. That He literally said exactly what he said. He said, I didn't spend any time – Hitting BP, he said, I was just worrying about catching. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it, catching's the toughest position to do. And, you know, especially having guys low to mid nines, you're like, I got to be ready. And, you know, they they got electric stuff on the mound. You you got to stick it and and be good back there. You know, you got to help those guys, you know, win win us a ball game. And that's what I just focus on doing. Right. Let's, let, let's be honest, man. Evan Russell's we're not worrying about low to mid nineties. That dude's worried about <laughs> three digits. Yeah. Four. But but Daniel, let me ask you a question because since he brings that up and we bring up Evan, you know, I was at the Ole Miss uh inter squad last weekend. And what does it say about these guys? Like I watched Garrett Wood play left field, third base, shortstop, and second base all in the same game. I was waiting for him to catch at that point. Like when you're a coach, man, how valuable is it just to have a guy that you know that you can put in multiple areas? I mean, first and foremost, when I when I see a guy that is doing that, that tells me immediately that's a guy that the coach wants in in the game. Um, and they're trying to find a place that that person can play or they're going to need that person in the game and they're going to have to play multiple positions and they trust that person to be able to do that. So it's a it's a high like pedestal that you're put on. Um, there's pressure that comes with that, but obviously like you're, you know, the belief that your coaches have to put you in that position, that's, that's gotta be a good feeling, man. It, it really does. It does uh, for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, looking, looking at, at your trajectory at, after that, that junior season brought, um, you were captain of you know Ostinger's baseball academy you know after high school obviously you're starting to to prep for the next level you know at what what point do you is it travel ball is it high school ball is it a combination is it your junior year like when do colleges start popping up on your radar um yeah I mean it it was kind of a combination of of all of them um so like Beginning of sophomore fall, um, we we played in the uh, underclass um, PG tournament down at Fort Myers, you know, studs all around. And I played um, pretty well in that tournament. And that's kind of where I started getting some looks. Um, and it kind of just followed throughout the sophomore year. Um, and then going into the junior summer is kind of where I had a lot of a lot more buzz um, going on, I'd say. I played up on the 17U team um, when I was 16 and um, going to the WWBA in Georgia, Jupiter, doing all those things where I got a lot more buzz. Um, and Wake was one of those teams that, you know, one of those schools I just knew. They had a good coaching staff. Um, they had really good player development. 
they had, it was a place where I could come in and, um, you know, make an impact doesn't necessarily mean play right away, but it means, you know, have an impact on, on people, have an impact on the coaches to be that guy, uh, sophomore and junior year. And so, so what, what other schools are on your list at this point? Um, LSU was, they were talking to me for a little bit. Um, they were like, you know, max we can give you is like 35, 45%. And I was like, out of state, that's going to be a lot of money. You know, I, that was my dream school too. Um, and I really loved that place. And I was like, man, you know, I want to go there so badly, but I was like, ah. bro, I'm so hot right now. Like after watching all the film of you and obviously seeing the accolades and the preseason, I understand we got Tommy white there now and he's a guest of this show too. But that just makes me mad that you're not an LSU Tiger. Oh, man, it was it was my dream school. You know, I've always I've always loved LSU, TCU, Texas A&M. You know, those kind of my dream my dream three. Um, and they they always came to my games during summer ball. And I always see them talking to Coach Jimmy Osting, um, head coach for Ostinger's baseball, and I'm like. I want to play for those guys so badly, so badly. You know, that was kind of always a dream. Um, but then I was – my last my last three were uh, Virginia Tech, Wake, and Miami. Those were kind of my final three. Um, ECU was also in the mix. Um, and then every other school in Florida except for Florida State. None of those are I, bad options. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it's like you could throw them all in a hat, pull one out, and you'd be good. I mean, all of, all of those are – top level um hey, hey, when you when you say it it's like omaha bound like that's the expectation any of those clubs that you that you that you meant I, I did have a question though in regards to your your travel ball were you catching for travel or were you still playing in the field i was doing both um so it was it was one of those things where i'd catch a game i'd play third a game i'd catch a game play third a game until we got to playoffs and then our pitching staff was like Nah, we want Brock behind the dish. Oh, I'm yeah, I was just cool. curious if the coaches were still getting to see you play up and and that and that shows now. Okay. Yes, sir. I I did both and they knew I did both. And um it was funny actually when I got to when I got to campus, um, our catcher got hurt in the fall. Um, and so me and the other catcher were were split time and I caught all my freshman like preseason, fall and leading up to the first game, they were like, You're catching, you're catching, you're catching. And so I caught Cusick, you know, I caught Will Fleming. I caught all these guys uh, leading up to the preseason. And then they were like, all right, we're going to go with our other guy. We want you a third. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, completely good with me. <clears throat> and then I still catch all the time at home. You know, all my buddies call me up. They're like, hey, can I throw a bullpen? You know, of course, I still got my gear. And I'm like, hell yeah, dude, let's go. You know, I love it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I did play both and they always saw me play both. So, you know, going back a little bit obviously you're you're playing both positions you're on the radar obviously as a, as a multi-tool guy but you know with all of those options at your disposal to go to school and take your, your game to the next level why wake forest what was it about wake where you're like that's the place i gotta be yeah um so it's kind of a, a bit of a long story you know i I took three officials, Wake, Miami, Virginia Tech. Um, I come here on my first official, and I'm like, man, I love this place, but can I call it home? Um, I go to Miami, and I'm like, eh, I, I'm not really for this place. Um, I go to Virginia Tech, and I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I was ready to commit before, you know, I even took my visit to Virginia Tech. And my parents and my uncle are like, dude, just go. You never know what's going to happen. I go to Virginia Tech, had the best visit of my life, and I'm like, 
man, this is an awesome place, but is it a place where I can go win? And I think that was the most important thing at the time was, was, can I go win? Can I develop and can I make an impact? And those were the, like the three biggest keys for me. And the only separating factor at the time in the fall of 2018 was Wake had a better track record of winning. Um, and that was kind of the, the biggest separator. Obviously now Virginia Tech's a powerhouse and a really good program. Um, and I love Coach Chef and Coach Elvin, you know, those, if I wasn't going to play for Coach Wall, Coach Billy, you know, those would be the two guys I would, you know, die for. You know, those are really good guys. They know what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, I think those were the three biggest pieces that I wanted in a program and Wake checked every single box um, that I had. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you look at those schools, like like we said, it's not a bad option. So you got to find what has, like you said, checks all the boxes, what fits the best. And so, you know, obviously you talked about when you got to Wake Forest, it was a different time, right? Um, you know, with COVID and everything, but nonetheless, you're you're actually, you know, you lived in North Carolina, but you lived in Florida, so it shouldn't be any kind of a culture shock. You lived in both, but you know, coming from Florida back to North Carolina. Um, did it feel any different did, or was it, you know, kind of still felt like home? Yeah, it was different, you know, and it was weird because committing to Wake had literally nothing to do with, you know, kind of going back home, quote unquote. Um, you know, I just, this was the place I wanted to be. This is the place that checked all the boxes and this is the place that could get me to the player that I want to be. And, you know, if that's what a program can offer me, no matter where it is in the country, I was going to go. Um, and this place just hit that mark and I committed. Just gauging off interviewing, you don't seem like the kind of guy who would have been nervous, more excited. Would you say that was the case or were you real nervous when you got there? For sure. I was, I was so excited. You know, I was so excited, beyond excited to be on campus and start the journey of, you know, being a, a college baseball player. You know, not a lot of people get to do that. And I'm very, you know, prideful about, the teams that I play for and have played for and, you know, getting to put on this Jersey means a lot to me. Yeah. And speaking of Jersey, man, uh, the new ones that y'all are unveiled are just super fresh while, while we're at it, but super. Uh, you know, you talked about wanting to make an impact in any way, shape or form. And you ended up making a, a big time impact, obviously freshman year, you, you played and started in all 47 games at third base. Uh, had a batting average 279, 17 home runs, 44 RBIs, 41 runs scored, 11 doubles, and a slugging percentage of 617. Um, you know, sitting on top of the Wake Forest record book for most home runs by a freshman. Like, you know, first, you know, I want to start before we even get dive into all that. I want the first thing that pops out to me, dude, you hit a three run home run in your first collegiate game against Northwestern, game winning. What was that like, man? Like, so a little backstory to this because I got to give my dad credit because it is one of the coolest stories I have to date. Uh, after BP, I go in, I text my parents. I'm like, my parents and my uncle, I have them on a text thread. I'm like, I said the best BP of my entire life. Like, oh my God, I'm so ready. Like the juices are flowing. You know, I'm just so ready. My dad is the only one that responds to the text and he responds with your first college homer is going to be a cool story. And you know, I obviously don't see it till after the game, but, you know, in that moment, runners on first and second, and they bring in their dude, they bring in their closer, and they're up 6'5", and I'm like, man, I'm like, are you kidding me? And 
I'm like, you know, as, as a freshman, I'm like, of course, I'm nervous. The game's on the line, bottom of the eighth. I feel like it's in my hands. You know, I'm like, oh, my God. And first pitch, 95, like probably over my head. And I swing at it. And I was like, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing? And um, next pitch, he leaves um, a fastball just up in the zone. I get my barrel to it just enough. And it sneaks over the wall. And when I tell you, I probably blacked out. Like, I blacked out. I just have, I remember touching first and touching third base and looking at my dugout and I was probably said 47 let's go as I'm running around the bases, you know, just so hyped. And it's just engraved in my mind as being one of the coolest baseball moments I ever have in my entire baseball career. Absolutely. And Daniel, you know, I keep bringing up old guests, but it's a repetition um, you know, Drew Gilbert said the same thing. Like when he hits those home runs in those big moments, he says he blacks out. He doesn't remember it. Like that's crazy yeah. how y'all do that, bro. I, I wasn't a big time baseball player. I didn't hit. I didn't hit game winning home runs, so I don't know what it feels like. But you guys say like y'all just black out. Yeah, it just. I mean, it, once it happens and you're just in the moment, you just like you have 400 million emotions just going through your body. You know, you have excitement, joy, and it's just like once you finally get in the dugout and you realize what happened, you're like oh my God, like that just actually happened, you know? And it was, it was so cool. Yeah, no doubt. And so like, I'm thinking like you set the bar so high right out the gate, right? Like it can't get any better. Oh, but it it does like, you know, I read off all them stats, but like I'm, when I look at individual games, dude, you hit two home runs, one of which was a grand slam with six RBIs against Florida state in the eight, seven victory. Like, I mean, it just, it just kept going. It's a blackout moment again. Ah, uh, yeah. And that was, I think that was a little, a little bit better because it was at Florida state and my parents got to go to those games. Um, and cause you know, it was hard with COVID and my brothers with sports and stuff. So that was kind of the first games they got to see in person, um, was, was at those Florida state games and hitting two homers there. I mean, that place is just electric for college baseball and doing that in front of my family and friends was just even better. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Like, Wilkinson's a high fly ball, left center field, two and one inning. Yes, sir. Brock Wilkinson. Dude, that's one of my favorite things, Brock. A three run homer, and it's a 10 run fifth. Still nobody out for Wake. That's exactly what I was going to say. Brock, that's my favorite part. We've been doing this for seven seasons. He still never tells me when he's going to do that. So he <laughs> caught me off guard. <laughs> and I love it because I know you doesn't. You also don't know it's coming. So I no he's, idea always, he's always got these clips ready. So, like, obviously I, we get to hear it. What I want to know is how y'all going to do them dirty and, and put up 10 runs in an inning without an out? Yeah, that was that was against Georgia Tech. And uh, that was this past season. Man, I don't like – that was an un, unreal game. That was just – I mean – Started off wild. I, I hit a homer to center field. I started off the inning, and I'm like, all right, boys, this is number six team in the nation. We beat them, you know, 5-3 or whatever it was the night before. Like, let's go. We're up 2-1. Come on. You know, let's go. Whatever the score was, we just go up by one. And, I mean, we just keep going, and we're just like, oh, my God, this this hasn't stopped yet, you know. It was it – was, that was a fun game for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, you know, just listening off the rest of that that freshman season, you know, just other big games. You had three hits against Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Appalachian State. Like, I mean, just so much success. But, you know, I feel like it's going to either be the Florida State or, or the Northeastern. You know, if you had to pick, man, which one was your favorite? 
probably Northeastern just because, you know, it was, it was a little bit bigger of a moment and um, being my first college games, first college weekend, first college series, you know, it was super special. And it's not something that a lot of people, you know, get to say is they hit a, you know, homer in their first collegiate game. Yeah, no doubt. And so, you know, you don't seem you seem very confident, but not arrogant. And and I and I bring that up because, you know, most guys have expectations set for themselves. So do you feel like you met or do you even feel like you maybe even exceeded your expectations for your freshman season? Um, for sure. You know, I, you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, I think there's a huge difference in, in supreme confidence and, and arrogance. You know, those are two different things. Um, uh, I know I'm the best player when I step on the field, but I'm not the type of guy to really show that, you know, I kind of want to keep everything just locked in, focus on the game and focus on winning. Cause that's really all that matters. Um, you know, you can have all these stats and all this and all that stuff, but you know, if, if you don't win, you know, it's kind of don't mean nothing. Um, but, you know, going into the freshman year, I kind of just wanted to, you know, get as many at-bats as I can, play as much as possible, and, you know, do do whatever I could to help the team win. And, you know, those are kind of just the expectations I had for myself. Obviously, you know, I wanted to do good, but I don't want to – I don't like putting, you know, numbers to stuff and having those expectations and feeling like I failed. So I kind of just like to go play. And, you know, that was – you know, one of the greatest seasons I've ever had and to do it in my first college season was unbelievable. And I'm just grateful that coach Walt gave me the opportunity to do so every single game as a freshman. Yeah. And I mean, some guys have numbers. I feel like for you, just talking to you because you talked about wanting to make an impact. I think just being able to to play and start in every game within itself was probably a, a first achievement um, for you just within itself. And then to have success on top of that. But it, I do have a funny note because Daniel texted me while I was talking to you a picture and talking about confidence versus arrogance. There's a guy in the NFL might have heard of him, Joey B. Uh, they mm-hmm. talk about AC Conrad arrogant. You do look like him. Do you get told that, Brock? All the time, actually. I, I literally get told, you know, I was playing Cape, and the interns were like, can we interview after the game about Joe Burrow? And I was like, sure. Like, I'm trying to go play, but sure, whatever. But, yeah, I get told all the time. It's actually so funny. And I'm just like, hey. You think I would notice it? I, I've actually interviewed Joe Joey B. And so, like, it didn't even dawn upon me. And then as soon as he sends me the picture, I look down and I look up at you, and I'm like, oh, my That's- God. That's the real. That's the real reason he didn't go to LSU. You know that, right? It just it couldn't handle two, two, uh, two lookalikes. Or maybe he's both. Maybe hey, he's he's getting both done. You just don't know it. Hey, what whatever it is, man. Obviously, though, it's that that confidence and 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 the level of play that you're at gets you, um, the ability to play. You know, over the summer in one of the most prestigious summer leagues out in the Cape. Um, you know, Jim and I are big fans of the movie Summer Catch. I mean, it's a popular movie back in the day. Um, kind of, kind of, yeah, classic. So, you know, obviously, I I gotta ask, man, was the Cape League was it everything that you hoped it would be, or you know, because because we've talked to some guys and they're like, yeah, it was good, but it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be, or they were like, oh, it like exceeded what I thought it was gonna be. So, what what was your take on on the Cape League? Yeah. Um. You know, I really had no idea, uh, like, what to expect going into the Cape League. You know, obviously, being the baseball guy I am, I know all about it. And I know all the players that play there. And, you know, it's the most prestigious place to go play. Just to be even 
asked or invited to go play as a freshman was was something beyond me. You know, I know a lot, not a lot of freshmen get that opportunity. So to get the opportunity, I was beyond stoked to even go play. And what kind of makes, you know, that that whole summer just a little bit extra bittersweet was um, my Harwich coach was the only one to to give me a uh, contract that summer. You know, all my coach called all the other teams. They're like, ah, we don't know. We don't know. We've never seen him play. We have no idea about this kid. We don't want to take him. And my my summer coach, you know, took took a gamble on me and never seen me play. And, um, you know, kind of ended up working out for the best. But, you know, those Cape, I call heaven on earth. And I mean, it's a, a place like no other. I got literally everything I could ever, ever imagined at that place. I got hooked up with the best host family three host brothers. I mean, just what everything and everything they fed me every single meal, every single day. They were just the greatest people of all time. And then, I mean, playing in the Cape Cod, what more could you want than that in itself was just the greatest experience ever. Yeah. So you mentioned host family. Um, is that the case for all players or is there, you know, people are staying with one another or does everyone get a host family to stay with? Yeah, everyone gets a host family to stay with. And it's it's honestly really cool because, you know, you get to meet a lot of guys that you would have never met otherwise um, to to play with one another and to room with them is pretty cool. So, like, is it awkward, like, the first day that you meet this host family and you're just like, hey, I'm Brock, what's up? <laughs> yeah, so first day they actually throw a summer party every year and all their kids – um one's a freshman in high school now the other one's in eighth grade and the other one's in sixth grade so they're all kind of relatively similar and close in age um but at that time they were in sixth grade uh fifth grade and fourth grade so you know they were kind of all right there and I love kids and uh they throw a summer party and so a bunch of people are already there so it kind of made it easier to transition you know but just being who I am and being like the kid person I am they have a huge pool in the backyard with basketball hoop and I'm like, all right, so who's playing basketball? Like, let's go. And I kind of just gelled right in with the family. And I just loved, you know, loved every single minute at that house. Um, it was like my own family. And it was the best experience and best family I could have ever imagined. I mean, it seems like you you fit in well in the Cape. I mean, you went, you, you were the Cape Cod League most valuable player. Uh, your debut season for... Heritage, uh, the Mariners, you're batted 302, 39 hits, 10 doubles, six bombs, 26 RBIs, 26 runs scored. Um, you know, obviously just a, a continuation from a great freshman season um, and staying hot, which, you know, I, I'm baffled like that they told you they were taking a gamble on you by signing you to a contract without seeing you, but the reality is, is all they had to do was get on Google and type your name in and they could have saw everything they wanted. Cause I mean, it just looks like you just continued the, the, the hot streak right into the Cape league, man. Um, you know, what, what was it? Was it coaching? Was it just you, you were seeing the ball? Well, like, what was it that, you know, that you would say contributed to you having so much success there? Cause we we've talked to guys, man. And they're like, you know, it was it was a grind of a, of a college season. When I got there, I was just kind of like it, I was just tired. 
um, or other guys are just like, you know, it was just a different level of, of, you know, of talent where, you know, not that it was any better or any, it was just different. So what, what would you contribute your success to that? Yeah. Um, you know, all those guys are right. It's, it is a grind and it is everything that they say it is, but, you know, I think you have to take that with a grain of salt because, you know, if, if you're getting the opportunity to play in the most prestigious college baseball league in America and you're given that opportunity, I mean, you got to go make the most of it, right? A lot of guys, you know, say that and they're like, oh man, it was a grind all summer. It was a grind all season. Well, you know, maybe, you know, pro ball isn't the best thing for you because that's what exactly what pro ball is like. And, you know, if you can't do that, then how are you going to handle pro ball? And so, I don't know, I, maybe I'm just different in how I view things and look at things, but that's kind of how I viewed it. And, you know, I took that opportunity and I kind of just ran with it. And I think the thing that honestly propelled my success was coming home every day to my second family. You know, they, they literally took me in as their own and, you know, it was so great to come home after a long day at the field, getting there at noon to not leaving there till you know, 10, 11 at night and having a meal prepared for me. And it's, you know, a well-cooked meal of, of chicken and pasta and rice and not having to worry about, uh, you know, am I going to be able to go to the gas station on time before it closes to, to get some snacks before I go to bed? You know, it's kind of one of those things that you don't really think about. And that's behind the scenes a lot of the time um that kind of gets unnoticed but is a lot of reason for a lot of guys success or sometimes failures you know not everyone gets hooked up with the best host families and you know sometimes they don't feed you or sometimes um you know you have to go buy your own groceries um some of the stuff like that but that's kind of I think what propelled my success in in summer bowl you know we talk about you know being grateful for the opportunities like you were talking about earlier and not taking them for granted. You know, I was just, I was thinking about it because we had Paul Skeens a few episodes ago and it was like, it was crazy how he, we start talking to him and we've had Cameron James and Jack Brannigan as guests and they all play together. And then you realize just how many of these guys, like you said, and, and when you talk about the caliber of talent that's getting to play with or against each other, like how could you not want to go be a part of that and become a better player? Exactly, exactly. Like you, you're going against literally the best of the best at your division, right? You're you get players from all over the country, D3, NIA, D2, Division One. You're getting the best players from around the country in college baseball. And like, how do you not want to just go see what's out there, right? Let alone play against those guys and also get better and knowing, you know, okay, this is where I'm at and this is where I need to be or this is where I am now, and maybe I need to do this better or, you know, something along those lines. But there's a caliber of talent up there is is unbelievable. So so speaking of the caliber of talent, let's let's talk about it. Let's what what were some of the big names that you played with or against or or like who was someone where you had to take a step back and you're like, man, that that guy is just flat good. Yeah. Um you know, I played with, I played against uh, Brooks Lee. I played against Tommy Troy. I played against uh, Caden Grice. Um, I played against Parada freshman year. Um, who else? I played against, uh, hit off of Pat Riley at Bandy. Um, I mean, there's just so many dudes, you know, out there that I could, I could name. The list just goes on and on forever. Um, 
But I mean, Brooks Lee just stood out as one of those guys. You're like, damn, that dude's that dude's different. You know? <laughs> yeah, we we had Brooks on the podcast, and a lot of people were blown away by his story because, you know, being on the West Coast, they don't really get a whole lot of exposure to him. But I think uh-huh. now, like the SEC fan base, or at least the the majority of our listeners, they have a really good idea now who Brooks Lee is because, like he. I would say even us for for that matter, and we follow baseball pretty closely, and and he blew us away. And I thought he was an interesting story. You know, I think about how Brock played for his uncle. You know, we talked we talked with Brooks a lot about it. He could have went pro, you know, very high right out of high school, but he wanted to he wanted to improve his game, and he wanted to go play for his dad. And obviously, it didn't hinder him at all. Obviously, based upon where he got drafted. Yeah, exactly. Brooks is. Brooks is my boy, and I got to know him pretty well. We actually have the same agency as well, so we got to connect a lot during the Cade. Um, and, you know, just playing against him, I'll never forget. I mean, he went five for five right after he came back from uh, his Team USA stint for my freshman year, and five for five and hit for the cycle. And I'm like, this dude is oh, different, bro. Like, you just hit – you went five for five and hit for the cycle. And his last his last at-bat went dead central – at our place, which is 405 to dead center. He went dead central to complete the cycle. And I'm like, I'm like, dang, that's too pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, my, just... my favorite part, because he said he, he's humble too, Dan. You remember we were, we were talking about how many doubles he had. And he said, well, they would be home runs, but I, I play in like the biggest part you can find. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what was, what would you say is your, your favorite or best moment in that whole Cape experience? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, it's going to kind of sound cliche, but, you know, just kind of getting that getting that trophy was unlike anything, you know, I've ever experienced to be named MVP of that league. And, you know, you just go down the list of, of previous MVP winners and, you know, you got uh, Jason Veritek, you know, you got all these guys. And to look back on it and say, OK, if I end my baseball career today, I'm etched in baseball history forever. You know, I would have, I would have been like, you know, if someone said tomorrow you don't play baseball ever again, we talk about leaving an impact. You know, that's the kind of impact I want to leave on people. And when I got kids coming up to me after games and, you know, saying we only want your autograph, and my teammates are sitting there, you know, just walking by, and I got forty kids, and it's just like that's the kind of impact I want to leave on people. And those are, I think, the two biggest reasons was seeing the impact I had on you know 300 kids at a Cape baseball game and then you know being able to receive that trophy and being etched in baseball history forever I think it was the two greatest accomplishments for myself you, you know Daniel I think about what he said and I think about how many times we watched the movie Summer Cash literally a thousand Brock and and he had the chance at the perfect game and or no he had a no hitter and then he left for the girl and so I ask you Brock you know you had that you had the MVP but if there was a if there was a Jessica Beal as an option as opposed to the MVP trophy where are we going MVP dog no yeah. shot oh, don't, don't lie to me <laughs> no shot no shot. <laughs> Uh, would, so you would, so safe to say the way that movie went you wouldn't have left out on your no hitter you're you're finishing the thing out I'm, I'm finishing it i'm like give me the ball i don't care if my arm rips off give me the ball <laughs> i heard that so getting back to wake after after doing cape cod league you know you appeared and started in 60 games at third base posted a batting average 272 um career high and hit 69 home runs 23 rbi 77 
13 doubles, ranked second on Wake Forest single season home run list. Um, once again, I want to start with a specific performance, man. Uh, Louisville, you hit three bombs, eight RBIs. You know, like I thought the things you were doing freshman year were big, but now we're hitting three home runs and getting eight RBIs. What's that like? Yeah, that game that game was special. Um, you know, I've never, never hit three homers in a game my entire life, and uh, it kind of made it a little bittersweet, too, because uh, I'm not sure if you guys know him. Gavin Sheets plays for the White Sox, um, right fielder, first baseman. Uh, went to Wake. And he comes back all the time. And there's a game in the fall, and I had two homers. And um, I flew out to the warning track in my third at bat. And he goes, anyone can hit two. And so, you know, after that game, I texted him. I was like, anyone can hit two, buddy. And so, you know, it kind of just made it that bittersweet. But, um, you know, Louisville was ranked number seven in the country at that time. And I knew the next day um, it was a deciding game. And I knew we had to come out and win. Um, so, you know, that, that next game, it was, it was a great performance. You know, it was, it was great. Everything was awesome. Um, but you know, the next day we had to come out and win a series, um, against number seven team in the country to kind of put us on track for hosting or at the time hosting, um, and, you know, seeing where we could be as a team. Yeah. And so you talk about where you're at as a team and you talk about the possibility of hosting, obviously didn't even make the postseason the year before, but this season, now you're talking about a whole different conversation, um, and, you know, with that, you guys beat Miami. You win the ACC tourney after coming off that rough season. What's that like, man? Especially because, you know, there's nothing better than being part of a uh, a building program. Obviously, Wake has history and programs, so I don't mean it by that way. But obviously, the way freshman season went compared to your sophomore season. What was it like going from, you know, not making the postseason to winning the ACC tourney and having a whole different outlook? Yeah. Um, actually, North Carolina – one ACC tournament, but we beat Miami in the ACC tournament. Um, but, you know, it was just a, it was just a huge turnaround for us. You know, it was from not even making the ACC tournament to, you know, beating um, the number six team in the country, Miami pretty handedly at the time was, was unreal. Um, and it kind of just shows, you know, how far and how much we put into it as a team together collectively um, and, you know, to get those outputs and to get those results really, uh, really showed us a lot. Boy, I tell you what, Brock, I'm, I am steaming right now, dude. I'm looking, I'm looking to double check right here. And it says defeats Miami to cap off ACC tournament. I'm so confused. My studying, I did it right. It says y'all won it. I'm looking at y'all's the SI department on Wake Forest. They lied to me. Oh, but anyway, you won in my book. That's all that matters. Yeah, um, for sure. But, but nonetheless, uh, you guys, you know, you make it to regionals. You go to College Park, Maryland. What's that like, man? What's that atmosphere? Obviously, you didn't get to host the regionals, but nonetheless, you're there. Um, did they have a solid atmosphere out there? Yeah, Maryland had a really good atmosphere, um, you know, especially playing against Maryland that second game. Um, you know, they were they were really good, um, really good team, really well put together. And, um, you know, it was kind of – it was it was different, you know. That place is that place is kind of a bang box. Um, it's only three fifty to dead center, and I think it's like three forty down the line to left. Um, so you know, it was it was a different place to play at. Um, and you know, playing Maryland and that was a really good team hosting their regional. They got a lot of fans. We had a lot of fans travel as well. So I think it was a really good combination of of both teams coming together. Yeah, no doubt. And so, obviously, you know, the season ends, you come up short. But, you know, obviously, y'all had a lot of guys come back. So, your coach is obviously knowing that 
in in real time. And so what what's the message that he has for you? Obviously, you know, got to say something in defeat, but obviously there's got to be optimism because you know the next season there's another opportunity. For sure. Um, you know, with all of us returning, we we knew, you know, us players, we know we have a shot. It's not just the coaches, you know, that talk about, oh, man, we could be so good. You know, you know, we also have those conversations, but I think our conversations are a little bit more realistic of because we know one another. Right. We know one another. We know how we play. We know how good we could be or how bad we can be, um, especially from everyone that returned was on the 2020 team that didn't do good. And then the 2022 team that, you know, exceeded expectations. Um, so from that 21 season, to the 22 season, all those guys coming back for this year, you know, it just has a lot of optimism going forward. And it's one of those things where, you know, we know we're good. We don't we don't care that you know, everyone ranks us whatever we're ranked and we know we're that good and we know how good we can be. And for us going into the season, it's just going to be about, you know, being a team and kind of our team slogan is uh, make them feel you, you know, MTFY, make make everyone feel you in, in every single aspect of the game, you know, running hard 90s, uh, you know, hustling on and off the field every single time, making pitches, you know, making swing decisions, you know, hitting that home or running around the bases like, You've done it before, but you're also the man. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you you do that, you put that much pressure on a team, they're going to fold at some point, right? They're going to fold, and another team is going to fold at some point. So that's kind of where we're at right now going into the season. And I cannot say I've ever been more ready or, you know, more anxious to get on a field together. Yeah, I was literally talking to Daniel right before you hopped on about that slogan and how much I loved it. When y'all released all that apparel, like, obviously LSU's my team. Like, I wanted to wake four shirts and make them feel you. Like, I was like, dude, I love that. And so you, you talk about the rankings don't matter. Um, we did our own preseason rankings. Before anybody came out with theirs, we all had you in the top five. You're, you're still in the top five and a lot of them, top ten, most of them. But like you said, you don't pay attention to that. But – I think they're uh, that you're getting ranked that that way um, properly because the growth that y'all have been on from the one season to the next to the next, and like you said, the returning guys, and I and I think they realize all the talent that you, that y'all do have, and so um, you know I think just as much as you're ready to be out there, I think a lot of people are interested, you know, just as much to to see if it all comes together, which you know I've talked to you and I and I feel like it really is, so. Going into, you know, your fall practices, your scrimmages, you know, obviously starting here um, in the winter ones, you know, you get to go against the best of the best. What's one of the best parts uh, about your team because you have so much pitching and you as a hitter, man, you get to go against face them. So obviously everybody knows about Rhett Louder, but man, talk to me about some of the other guys on the pitching staff that people really need to be paying attention to. And some guys, man, it's hard for you to hit against. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really think, you know, everyone loves Rhett and everyone talks about Rhett and he deserves it. I mean, that dude is nasty. You know, that dude is goaded. You know, he's just so good. And thank God he's on my team. But, you know, the next scariest guy, and I think who's probably even more scary just because he throws 100 is Teddy McGraw. You know, you, you, you throw Teddy McGraw out there and he pitched last weekend and it was 33 degree weather. And first pitch of the game, 99.4. I mean, that dude is throwing gas in 33-degree weather. You know, there's just no shot he doesn't hit triple digits this year. Um, and just that he's got a slider, a 12-6, and a changeup that he can command in any part of the zone anytime he wants to. And, I mean, those two guys going back-to-back, 
it's just going to be so hard for a team to to hit off, you know, in my opinion, two top 10 picks. I think those guys could go back to back at four and five or, you know, whatever in, in the top 10 picks. And I mean, just thank God those two guys are on my team. And then, you know, you look at the bullpen with Camden Manassi, who's literally my brother, you know, that's my best friend. Um, he's been up to 98. He's consistently sitting 96, 97. He's got a wipeout slider now, really good changeup. Um, you got Sean Sullivan, who's a transfer from Northwestern. Um, low slot lefty, ton of ride on his heater. Um, you got Cole Rowland, just 12-6 monster with his breaking ball. Uh, and then you got Michael Massey, transfer from Tulane. I mean, just the pieces are really coming together of where we didn't have them in the past to go forward into the future with, you know, a lot of optimism and, you know, all these preseason rankings, it's just based on the talent we have, you know, we haven't really played a single game. Um, so, you know, once we get halfway through the season, those will mean a lot more than, than they do right now. Yeah. So, you know, getting to go against these guys, we were talking about that confidence factor. When you get to go against these guys, like, it feels like when you go into the season, cause you just talked about it, two, two guys that could be top five picks. There, there's nobody that you're going to be afraid of when you step into that box because you've already practiced against the best, right? 100%. And, you know, I, I don't think I'm ever scared or give anyone credit for, you know, being better than me on the mound. But, you know, if there was two guys that I would, three guys, it would be, you know, Rhett, Teddy, and and Cam. It, those three guys are just lights out 24-7. And to have those guys on our team, on our staff at one time, you know, you talk about college programs. I mean, this is, this is a Kumar rocker and Jack lighter of, of Wake Forest. And to have those two guys go back to back, I mean, it's, it's really special. And it makes me and the rest of our team better because we know we're not going to see anything like these guys all season, right? We're not going to see anything like this until we get to playoffs and, and beyond and hopefully into Omaha where we want to be. Um, so getting to see those guys now, and where they're not even supposed to be at, you know, peak performance, let's say, it's 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 unbelievable to to watch. And I'm just glad they're on my team, man. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, when we do our rankings, we we do in-depth studying. And that's why I said it's Tennessee and Wake at the top, like on a tier of their own when you talk about the pitching staffs. And so, man, that, you know, obviously that's a long time from now I got a season, but man, I would love if, if y'all squared off because I want to, I want to see those, those pitching duels, but you know, from a, from a hitter's perspective, um, talk to me about some of the other guys in the batting lineup who, who should people be scared of? And then not just that, but give me a guy who's under the radar that maybe people don't know about and need to pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, first we'll start off with, with probably the biggest name in our lineup and in, in Nick Kurtz. I mean, that dude is a stud. Um, our first baseman, I mean, he not, we call him Spider-Man just because he catches everything. And, you know, he's just one of my great friends. Um, you know, it's a, a kid that I really, you know, love talking to baseball about and to do everything with. Um, and he just mashes baseballs. You know, he's freshman All-American, had hit like 360 with 15 homers last year. And, you know, not a lot of kids do that. And to come in as a freshman and be able to do that right away is, is supreme. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the one protecting him and, you know, he's, he's the biggest name in our lineup for sure. And I don't think it's close. Um, and, you know, I think guys that should, you know, people should look out for is guys under the radar, like Bennett Lee, um, transfer from Tulane, um, our catcher, he's just been absolutely mashing this preseason. Um, Adam Ciceri, 
our left fielder, I mean, he just hits balls I've never seen go so far in my entire life. Um, so, you know, those are those are just two guys to name off the top of the list. And then you got Tommy Hawk in center field, who's, you know, kind of the spark of our offense. He just finds ways to get on base. And you got Pierce Bennett, who just does nothing but hits. You know, he's been injured um, all fall and all spring. And he comes back and he faces Rhett Louder. And the first pitch he sees, hits a 100-mile-an-hour single. And it's like – all this dude does is hit. He hasn't seen a live pitch in, in six months and he faces a top five pick and just hits, you know? So we have, we have a lot of pieces flowing in the right direction to get us where we need to be. Well, that's awesome. And man, Brock, we really look forward to it. As a matter of fact, uh, I started messaging my boy before we, before we did this episode and I said, how far do you live from Wake Forest? And uh, he said, he's 28 minutes. He lives in Greensboro. Um, oh yeah. He showed me the map and he said, uh, cause I told him, I was like, man, I said, I'm going to get to see just about every guest that we got coming on at some point or another this season live. And I said, but I won't be able to see Wake. I said, unless, and then he's like, the house is available. You and family come stay. We'll let the girls hang out. Me and you'll go watch the game. And I was like, all right, that's it, man. I'm going to go check out Wake. So uh, I'm going to have to start looking at the schedule and tee that up. But I'm, I'm going to come check y'all out, man. I'm I'm excited yeah. for y'all. It's, it's very rare that I get excited about teams outside of my own, but – like like you said, I mean, we studied it up, and I mean, y'all y'all just, I mean, like you said, you got to put it together. But on paper, is this is a team that I should be seeing in Omaha and competing for a championship? One hundred percent. You know, this is this is one of the best teams I think um, I I've ever been a part of for sure. It's the best team I've ever been a part of. But you look at it, and you just look at the names and the the amount of names that could be potential big leaguers. You know, there there's quite a few on our roster it could be potential big leaguers that not a lot of other programs have had on one team together. Well, Brock, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it all plays out. And you are a gracious guest, a humble guest, and we appreciate having you on, man. But before you bounce, we got to play a game, man. We got to play a game that we play with everybody. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, the game is called This or That. It's very simple, and I, I, I make these games simple because, you know, you know, you guys got plenty of other things to worry about than, than having a, a tough game to play. So All right, let's do uh, it. I'm going to give you two options. You choose one option or the other. Just don't say both. Don't say neither. Just pick whatever comes to your mind first. All right. All right, so let's jump out of the gate quick. Would you rather own a fast car or a big truck? Ooh, big truck. Would you rather have pizza or tacos? Tacos. I hate pizza, actually. Oh, man. That's an unpopular take. A a bad take. Not a hot take, but a bad take. Wow. And just like that, I don't want to go to Wake anymore. Jeez. I I think we got to end it right there. I don't don't like the red sauce. I don't like the red sauce. I'm not a fan of pasta either. I'll, I'll eat my noodles with butter. Oh, man. What are you, five? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Florida beaches or Carolina beaches? Oh, Florida for sure. It's not even close. Well, I put that in there, Daniel, because I have a lot of people I know that are from North Carolina and they claim their beaches are top notch. I've never been to compare. They've they've never been I, to Clearwater so. Beach then. Well, you you're gonna use Clearwater. That I mean, that's the best of the best, bro. My, exactly. Why would I, I mean, not use that? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Uh, w- would you look forward to hosting? Uh, mo- who do you look forward more to hosting, Miami or Virginia Tech? Ooh, uh, Miami. Why? Why Miami? I got a couple buddies that play there. 
Bragging okay. rights. Yeah. Yep. All right. Bucket list concert or bucket list sporting event? If you had to choose one, which would it be? Bucket list uh, sporting event for sure. What What's your bucket list sporting event? See, that's a tough question. I think either the Masters or World Series that goes to Game Seven. All right. If it's there a, for all seven games. If it's the World Series, who's playing? The Nationals. Um, I don't care. I mean, it doesn't matter. But you gotta well, want your team there. Like, I mean that. I mean, I mean, if anything, I'd probably want the Nationals and the Red Sox. Those are my two favorite teams. I just love the Red Sox and love Fenway. How are you? We're not. There's nothing wrong with Dow. Come on, don't do that to him. With the Red Sox, how can you live in Tampa at all, or and and like the Red Sox? Come on, man. Red Sox was actually my first favorite team growing up. Not gonna lie. Oh man, you got a lot to learn. <laughs> let's let's just hope it, that you your your pro team is not the Red Sox. Then, but, then, it, then you can have a new favorite team. But, but go with his other answer. The interesting, I mean, he said Masters, and it's a shame because Randy, the other host that's not here because he's sick, he's the golf guy. He would have got so excited about you choosing the Masters. I I don't care nothing about it, but, I mean, I, I do hear it's at the top of the list. I mean, it's a bucket list. You know, you got to go at least once in your life, and I haven't been, so I want to go. You know, I think it's I think it's a great experience. Daniel, you know why I couldn't go to the Masters? Because I don't even like to dress up, and that's a place where they don't let uh, casual guys who like to wear basketball shorts and fresh sneakers. <laughs> no, nah, bro, you you gotta be looking right. You gotta at least look the part. You can't. Be yeah, you gotta look there. the part. My look. my shoe. Look, you told me I pay too much for shoes. If I'm wearing four hundred dollars shoes, am I still not all right, Daniel? Not your, not the shoes. Right, you right. what, what, shoe, what shoes are you talking about here? Because I'm a sneakerhead. So what shoes are you talking about here? All right. So we're from Memphis. Anyway, for instance, my newest, most expensive pair is the special edition Penny Hardaway Jordan editions with the with the leopard print on them with the blue. Okay, okay. Those are those are fire. Those are fire. I, so would I would I be welcome to the golf course? Will they let will they let me on with those shoes and, and some and some shorts? Oh, yeah. Probably not. <laughs> no. no. I but dude, I'm a sneakerhead. I got I got probably twenty pairs of J's. I got like ten dunks. I got a couple Yeezys and then everything and anything in between that. Man, I I don't even belong in this conversation because <laughs> I, I don't own I I own about ten pairs of shoes and they're all less than one pair of y'all shoes <laughs> combined so Probably. look look i tell you brock one of my other best friends man he is he is such a sneakerhead and he's the one that gets me mine so i say four hundred dollars was like that one pair but like i don't pay that much he, he's he got he's got a connection but he's got now two whole walls of his bedroom are built with shelves and it's like one of those things that you see on my like instagram and like i actually know a person a person that has that and it's just it's crazy and then what's wild is like He's got some of them, like, there's probably half of them that he hadn't even worn yet. I'm like, you just got them on the shelf. Like, can I borrow them? Like, <laughs> dude, I'm the same way. Like, my closet's right here, and it goes all the way to the top on two sides. <laughs> all right. Would you rather be attacked by a tiger or attacked by a grizzly bear? Which one do you think? I guess the, the best way to think about this is. If you are going to have a chance of survival, which one are you picking? I mean, I gotta go tiger, right? I mean, there's no shot at survival grizzly attack. Well, let's let's be let's be honest. You're not surviving either one. 
no, no, no. Look, so I, I've gotten very much invested into this question over this season. Um, and let me let me tell you, this is the what the way that I look at it. I don't think I would pick the tiger. I think I would have a better shot at a grizzly bear. And 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 he and here's why. Right, let's hear it. Grizzly bear is lazier than a tiger. All right. 25% of the grizzly bears year they spend doing nothing except laying around. Okay. The, the right. tiger the tiger on the other hand spends their days chilling out but at night that's the thing at night these dudes are are on the attack. Mm, I don't know. But, I, I mean, just, I'm I, still, still going Tiger. I, I just I just know that our last guest, Christian Scott, said he could outrun a grizzly bear. So I'm just trying to see that happen. I, I like I need to find somebody who's got a grizzly bear connect, and I we mean, need this race to happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you never know. But I looked it up, Daniel, after the episode, and Christian ain't outrun them because they run an average speed of 35 miles per hour. So <laughs> we get away. We 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 told them. We told them that. So <laughs> All right, Brock, man, would you rather save one loved one or save a hundred strangers? So quality or quantity? Oof, uh, I'm definitely going one loved one. Sorry, people. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's not a wrong answer. I mean, I, I, that's the one that I would go with for sure. I, we still only got one guest to date that said they would save the hundred. I mean, so it's it's pretty unanimous. All yeah. right. All right, Brock, last question i'll let you get out of here man would you rather betray your best friend or would you rather be jailed for a crime you didn't commit see but how long is the jail time it's it happens every time daniel we might as well just go ahead and put the time on 10 years 10 years 10 years minimum 10 years i gotta go betray my best friend oh for sure for sure. Yeah. I'm dude. still trying to get the knife out of my back. That's yeah, dude. Brock, Jim Jim is my best friend, but if it became it was him or jail, I'm gonna stick that knife so far in his back. It, it ain't even funny. Brock, and, he said if it was overnight, he said it didn't have to be if it, <laughs> he said it, if he it, had to do overnight in prison. Overnight? <laughs> overnight. Not even, not even a full day. Cause let me tell you something. There there used to be a question that was um would you rather spend uh, five years in jail or 10 years in a coma? And I answered the question the same way I'm going to explain this to you. All right. I know at 38 years old, I know what I'm really good at and what I'm not good at. I've never been to jail, but I can tell you this. I would not be good at it. Not a minute, not an hour, not a day, not a week, not a month, not years, not, not forever. Never. All right. What I do know that I'm good at is sleeping and chilling out and doing all that kind of stuff. So whatever allows me to continue that, that's what I'm doing. Hey, but you you don't know you're good at something until you try it, right? He doesn't want to find out. No, no, no. See, see, Brussels sprouts, they they smell terrible. I don't have to try them to know that they're terrible. Oh, I don't eat vegetables either, so I'm with you on that. I'm so but you also don't eat pizza, so everything's discounted on, on your diet. 
Yeah, for real. But you know what's gonna you know what, Daniel? I forgive that he said that because LSU was was his his team that where he wanted oh, to go. As a matter of fact, you want to hear the only pizza I'll eat though? What's that? Domino's Hawaiian pizza. All right, we're done. We're, we're done. <laughs> then he had to say pineapple on the pizza. He had to go there. You, you know, you I I didn't think it was possible to ruin an episode in the last 30 seconds, but here 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 we are, man. Oh, man. I, I'm kidding, Brock, man. Hey, before you run, anything you want to plug or promote, man? No, I I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a pleasure. I've had so much fun. I appreciate you guys. Before he goes, Daniel, I got to text Casey and told him, I said, man, we got a sneakerhead on the podcast. I said, uh, I said, how many are you at out of curiosity? Because I wanted to tell you, Brock, before you got up, he's got 189. Yeah, I'm I'm not even close to that, but I will be one day. Will be one. Well, well, hey, yeah, look, when he gets drafted, Daniel, he's going to get that first that first deposit, and first thing he's going to do is go buy some kicks. Exactly. You know what's what's crazy to me is he's got 189 pairs of shoes. That means he's got 387 individual shoes. What what does someone do with? They just stack up on the wall and look. I don't. Brock gets it though. He would do the same thing if he could. I I I don't get it. I don't get it. And and what's what's crazy to me is I I bet Casey's got shoes. That he's never wore before. That's what I said to him. You hear me tell Brock? Half of me ain't worn. That's that's just I don't get but it. I wear I wear all my shoes. I go I go every single day, different pair of shoes. Tell I rock. I mean, you gotta your your shoes gotta match your outfit. I, I oh, get for it. Sure. I get for it. sure. I get it. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do you a solid, Brock, man. I'm I'm gonna put you out there for everybody to find. If you wanna know what Brock's doing on Monday night, maybe he's doing a podcast. Who knows? What he's doing on a Tuesday night? Maybe it's it's Taco Tuesday because it definitely ain't Pizza Tuesday. Definitely ain't. Pizza. Or maybe you want to see him in study hall or or doing his thing on the weekends. Man, head over to Instagram at Brock Wilkins. Or if you want to catch him on the diamond, or you want to see what the Demon Deacons are up to uh, this spring, going over to Instagram at Wake Baseball. Brock, dude, we wish you nothing but excellence and success this season. Uh, Injury-free. I hope you guys are are set up for for a magical run, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Me too. Me too. I appreciate you guys. And and no matter when, lose, or draw, no matter how it shakes out, uh, we'd love to have you come back on and we'll talk about it. I'm so down. I appreciate it. Let's do that. Yes, sir. That's Brock Wilkin, everybody. If you like hearing Brock's story or you just like hearing us average shows talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, like, love, hearts, hugs, all that stuff is always, we'll take it all. All the good stuff we'll take and even some of the bad stuff. But check us out next week. We got episode nine coming at you. We're going to get an update on LSU baseball, 10 days away. Ty Floyd's going to come on. He's going to talk to us about it. This has been the Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.